I'm Kristen Hostetter, and you're listening to the Straight Talk podcast by Outside Business Journal. I'm really excited about my guest today. Rich Hill is the president of Grassroots Outdoor Alliance and a longtime friend of mine. Rich and I go way, way back. I first got to know him when he was VP of sales at Patagonia. He's done time at Ibex and Prana. In 2012, he founded a lifestyle camping brand called Tikla that sadly folded after just two years, frankly, because I think it was just way ahead of its time. He went on to work at Compass and Nail, a consulting firm, and then he landed at Grassroots in summer 2016. And as someone who has known Rich in all of these different roles, it really seems to me like he's found a sweet spot with Grassroots. In case you don't know, Grassroots Outdoor Alliance is a coalition of about 100 independent outdoor specialty retail shops around the country. They share data, they share resources, and they come together to help each other navigate sea changes in the retail landscape. We're gonna talk about all of that, plus a whole lot more. How are you doing out there in Ventura, Rich? Uh, we're doing great. A little foggy this morning, looking out at the window from the, the house, but we're doing really well here. Awesome, well, thanks for making time to talk with me this morning. Lots of stuff going on at Grassroots these days, right? You guys just added a bunch of new retailers to the organization. What, what does that mean for the organization? Um, well, it's been interesting because we put out that press release for our last round of, you know, Dana landed, we have 10 new members into the group. And it's been part of our plan since I got here three and a half years ago. It's just kind of a continuation of what we started. Um, uh, years ago and we've been on this process but this one seems to have landed in a way where um, we've seemed to have moved into another realm of size you know we're now in 45 stores we have 167 locations it's um, 187 locations excuse me and it's um, it, that there's something about this this new goal that we hit is kind of put us in a new realm with people of size and coverage and it's exciting. And we didn't even see it that way. It was the response after the word got out. So, um, so now like with the hundred and what did you say? 187 locations, 187. That makes you guys collectively bigger than REI, right? Uh, yeah. Just by physical locations, not by dollars, right. <laughs> dramatically smaller in dollars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You know, we're more, sta- we're more States. We have better coverage. Um, and, um, yeah, it's super exciting. Um, we're still, um, you know, we got somebody in Alaska, which is super exciting. We have somebody in Texas, which is super exciting. Um, but we have some anomalies, still nobody in Utah. So we're out, we're, we're looking. So All right. well, I'm sure they'll come out of the woodwork. So tell us about the overall trends that you're seeing in grassroots during this crazy COVID season, right? Because one of the big things you guys do is one of the services you offer your members and, one of the, you know, one of the value propositions is that you collect all this data from these stores and share it. So what are you seeing? Oh, how much time do we have? Um, (laughs) It it is, uh, I mean, for all of us on all sides, you know, I'm sure from your side, our vendor side, from, um, you know, people providing trips in the backcountry to our retail stores, I mean, phenomenally challenging. And I'm always surprised that, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised how resilient our retailers are and how difficult it's been. So we've been doing this for months now. And I would say when the, when COVID and the shutdowns first started hitting, it was, it was crisis mode. And we're, we seem to be coming out the other side of that right now. Um, we did a lot of work supporting retailers and just sharing information. 
was a, was really what we do. Like we hear really a great idea or somebody finds a solution somewhere in the organization and we share it with the rest of the organization. And, um, and then when we don't have the answer, we go out and try to find it. And that's been, you know, federal funds, PPP funds, you know, support loans, um, renegotiating leases with landlords. Um, but we've done that, you know, we finished that work about six weeks ago, you know, like preparing, um, trends where the stores were, you know, we're running with a lot less staff. We were navigating closures and reopenings and mask holes. And, you know, that's all these issues that retailers are having to deal with. And, um, and, you know, when we looked at our results in June, we're actually seeing an increase over last year. It's like 72% of our retailers in June did more sales than they did a year ago. And it's very different though. It's a, it's a very different landscape in what's selling. Um, and it's a, and it's not easy. And I think if you talk to any one of our members, they would say it's been an incredibly difficult time. And so, so let's talk about about that a little bit. What's what's selling and what's not selling? Who's hurting and who's not hurting? Yeah, it's. Um, I think most of us, you know, intrinsically know this and been reading the news, which is, you know, people are seem to be our consumers are really seemingly wanting to get outside and get and do anything. And with us, we have a joke: if it floats it's sold. <laughs> so stand up paddle boards, you know, sea kayaks, uh, anything that floats on the water, you cannot even buy right now. We've sold all everything we can get our hands on over the last two months, three months. And it's, um, and it continues. Um, we have members that are in the bike business and yeah, we all know that bikes have you know, almost doubled in its sales and, um, and, and we're and hard goods in general, boots, packs, running shoes, socks, you know, all of those categories are definitely trending above last year and um, until we run out of inventory. And we're going to start seeing that slow down as boats are gone. So I, I expect to see boat sales in August really drop off. I think we're what, still What's inventory. not selling? How's apparel doing? Any categories that are just really struggling right now? Yeah. Soft goods in general is a trend. It's, we think that um, non-technical apparel soft goods are going to be the slowest to come back of all of our categories. And um and we're working with vendors on that also. And so um, technical apparel is even slow. So we're really curious what winter is going to bring. You know, there's all these unknowns. So we're just preparing the best we can. And, and trust me, we want apparel to come back as quickly as possible. But we're just not seeing the demand from consumers yet. Yeah. So uh, retailers are definitely, you know, facing challenging times. But people often forget that the vendors are as well, right? Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, vendors definitely, you know, rightfully want to know how, what our financial status is by store. You know, they want to know who's, who's navigating and, and I'm happy to report at this point, you know, we haven't lost a single store through COVID. And, um, and so we're really excited, but we also need tools to, ver to, to, when we go into conversations with the vendor community on how they're doing. And so, what we've, what we've advised our retailers, and if you look at the aggregate information as we talk to the vendor community, is that, you know, there's, there's two axes as we talk about, that we think about. And one is, uh, where are they on the hard goods to soft goods scale as a brand? And the more hard goods they're selling and the fewer soft goods they're selling, generally, they're financially, they're a much more solid organization. And people that are all sportswear are struggling. There's no doubt. And then the other, the other axis that we look at is, their commit, their dependency on REI for sales. And, um, and so, you know, you could be a hard goods brand dependent on REI, you have big REI sales, which 
which is great, but you, you know, you're suffering a little bit because of that dependence. Cause we know they've been shut down longer. Um, they're, they're taking steps they need to do, take to protect their business. Um, you're a soft goods brand dependent on REI. You're struggling right now. There's no doubt about it. And you're a hard goods brand that's not selling REI. You know, you're not seeing much of an impact from COVID on your results. And so those are kind of the tools that we're helping people to go into those conversations with brands and just knowing where they sit and the kind of decisions they're having to make. Cause it's, it's, um, we're in this together and, um, and we need to understand our vendors as well as they need to understand us. And that, and that dependence on REI is because REI is, is, um, is not ordering as much from these vendors. They're cutting back on their orders. Yeah, they, it, and it's not REI. I think any national retail chain, you know, Apple stores are reclosed nationwide. I think these corporate retail stores, you know, when we, it's risky and it's hard to ask your employees to put themselves at risk to run your store. And so they're slower in reopening, they're softer in their reopenings. And I, and it makes total sense. You know, our stores, the owners are in there taking the risk themselves. We're back opening, unlocking doors, cleaning bathrooms, <laughs> you know, handling customers, doing, um, we have stores flipping back to shopping by appointment. We're just more, we're smaller and nimbler to navigate the challenges of COVID. Gotcha. Um, okay, so let's move on to another topic here. The the Connect Show, which is your twice annual gathering, is such an important part of grassroots of the grassroots value proposition. And I've been attending for three or four years now, and and I can see why it's such a special, unique show, and so many great ideas get exchanged, and you know, so many connections. And I think it's it's in many ways the glue that really holds grassroots together, right? So obviously, you had to cancel your June show. How, tell us a little bit about how Grassroots has pivoted during this eventless period oh. that we're in. Yeah, you can cut to the chase because we all, you know, when this started, we've all started talking about digital trade show, right? Like when right. COVID hit, it was, the, it was the, and, and I think everybody, all of our vendors, Grassroots, after retail, you know, we're all working to give the community what they need. And we went in not knowing anything, you know, and, and from our from the grassroots perspective, what we're learning is that um, what we put out there was just was a shared resource for retailers and brands in or out of the organization. It's such a challenging time. We open this up to any brand and any retailer. We call Connect Hub, and and all we did is simply publish the brands what what every um, vendor's strategy was for how to see their line for the season. So if it's a FTP site, if it's a link to their digital workbook, priceless work, or is it just a link into their systems, or it's a phone number, who to call when you want to get information, it's all in one place. And because it's such an unknown season, all the, all the buyer has to do is go look up the brand and like, this is how the brand wants to be worked with. And we have about 110, 111 brands on the platform right now. And I think I talked to Gabe yesterday and I think we're seeing 50 buyers a day on the tool. Yeah. And, um, and so we're all out there and, and I think all these organizations are sharing their experiences and what we're finding from a retailer perspective, the challenge with the current environment is the gift of a trade show is you get away from your family and your store for a week. <laughs> so you can focus on the future. And so no matter what we put together, the difficulty is it's really hard to think about what you're doing next season and plan when you're in your store physically. Yeah. I, I, mean, I can't tell you, on, even on our board calls, when I got, I got nine retailers on a Zoom call, you know, we can't get through a board meeting 
without multiple interruptions from staff in the store because they have customers and that's our first priority. You know, somebody right. needs somebody, we have to stop doing what we're doing and take care of them. And, and so um, we continue to learn and then we're evolving that going into November just as we oh. constantly evolve our tools. Yeah, so it seems like Connect Hub is really just like this big aggregated place where all the resources that buyers need, they can come to one place and get it rather than have to go in all these different places, request a workbook from this vendor. And it's kind of like a one-stop, you know, one-stop shop situation. And the other thing that I noticed about who's on Connect Hub is that you've got all the big players, right? Yeah. And in and, and stark contrast really to Outdoor Retailer Online last week, where all the big players, all the players with the big, you know, um, anchor booths at the show that see so much traffic, they were absent from OR online. And uh, I, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at last week and I think that it's, it's interesting in that. I think that the outdoor retailers digital event last week kind of serves what outdoor retailer serves for us on a normal season, which is that there were people in there we've never heard of and there were new ideas. There was a lot of education and Camber had their thing. And you know, there's a bunch of other events on that platform that I know that our retailers appreciate it. And, um, but you're right, it's uh, the bigger brands, even with our tool, it's free, it's open to all retailers. All it's trying to do is help people access information in a simple way. That's, that's all we are trying to do. We're still having, we have certain brands that don't wanna be on it. And we can't figure out why, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just, you know, there's still hesitation because everything's so new. And I think that's the challenge during these times is we're all trying to do the right thing and we all have our concerns and we all have, you know, the intention that we put into things. But um, at the end of the day, I think we just all have to keep open lines of communication to get through this. Yeah. That's what's most important. Yeah. So I know that you, um, you at Grassroots over there are pretty stoked about your new switchback program. Mm-hmm. Can you describe it a little bit for our viewers and tell us where it stands and why it's important? Well, in the middle of um, COVID, this was in, in this year was the launch year of Switchback, which is our shared data collection tool that we've been implementing over the last eighteen months. Switchback is pulling information out of all of you know all of our the participating member stores from their POS systems um, on a daily basis. And we aggregate that information for the benefit of our community. And, and it's very new for independent specialty retail. Simply put, I, I, our vision is trying to give an independent specialty outdoor store the similar tools to compete against like big box stores and Amazon and REI and give a, a, give a single door the same kind of tools those larger retailers enjoy. And um, so as an example of that, very simply, those that, that enter information into the system, get it fed back to them in a very professional way so they can see the performance of their store, but it also can compare their performance against other members in an aggregated way. So it gives them something to push against. These were my results. This is how my results by, by overall, by category, by brand, by product, this is how my sales compare to other retailers in the group. And, and I imagine um, that, that, I imagine, I mean, this is a pretty tight knit group of retailers. They all know each other. They all trust each other. I imagine that results in conversations, like actual well, phone calls. Like someone might pick up the phone and be like, hey, you guys are doing so well in this category or in this skew, and we can't seem to sell one. What's the deal? Or does it, does it result in those kind of conversations? Yeah, it, 
but the aggregate pushback, it's it's like if they don't see other retailers specific performance, but it's just aggregated performance. So they can put they can put out a message saying, wow, I'm five points under on margin and boots, what's going on? And they can kind of pursue why why that is. Yeah, yeah it's super valuable. And and just to be clear, you know, we're just turning this on. So the tool is built. Um, we have a partner that was in the independent bookstore space that's been doing this for five years. And so we're drafting off a really known quantity uh, that's been it, that's been out there. And then, um, and right now, I think we have, I don't have the, the it keeps changing every day because it's really gaining momentum, but I believe we have about 55 doors uh, publishing information right now. And, um, and then as it scales, we plan to get two thirds of our members into the tool over the next six months. So that's kind of just to give you a sense. So right now it's value is in its infancy and it's growing on a daily basis. Good, well, I'm sure some interesting data will come out of that. I hope you share it with people like me. <laughs> well, the, the next step is actually sharing it with vendors. So we're working with our vendor community and you know, you know, as you know, I came from the other side of the table. I worked on the vendor side for years and part of my, you know, my motivation to push switchback so hard is that, you know, we're difficult for brands to work with. You know, my joke, you know, you say, hey, we're, we have more doors than REI. And, um, and it's true. You know, we, we're a super important community for brands. We're a great access point for consumers. It's super valuable, but we're tough to work with. And if you ask for a selfie report from every grassroots store, so we're 80, we are 83 members. So let's say you have a brand and you sell to all of our locations and you ask for a sell-through report, you get 83 different formats <laughs> that you'd have to digest somehow and kind of make sense of. And, and the, the vision with Switchback is for a vendor. It's just, you don't have to have 83 requests for information. You just go to one place on a daily basis and they can support our businesses in a much simpler way than it is than we make it for them now. Yeah, it makes total sense. Okay, so you've got something else that's pretty cool in the works, I hear something called indie outdoor yeah <clears throat> it's that? super um it is a um it is our program where we are going to be championing independent local retail to consumers so grassroots is an industry facing organization indie outdoor is our vision to where we tell our story to the consumer you know to our local markets we're going to champion localism and we're taking a guiding light from independent brewers association and from independent bookstores so this is our consumer facing it's also a much larger organization than grassroots it's our vision so we're kicking that off um, it, we're forming that organization this year and plan to launch it next year officially but you're gonna start hearing about it because we're starting to talk to retailers, we're starting to talk to vendors about this as an organization. And our idea is, you know, Grassroots is a, lit, is a group of specialty retailers who are willing to collaborate and share information to improve their store. I call it, you know, the way to look at it is fast alone, far together is I think the term, you know, we go far together, but not all retailers are willing to collaborate. They're great stores, they're fantastic. And, uh, but they're just not, you know, it's just not in their DNA to, to work with an organization like Grassroots. And so we want to pull them in and give them tools and give consumers tools to find ways to find those stores and those markets. Yeah, that's great. And the shop local movement is, is so popular right now in virtually every industry. So that makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and so you're going to be inviting all retailers to participate in Indie Outdoors, but still kind of retain the core group of grassroots members and, and grow it at the, at the same level. 
Yeah, we see a vision. For those that have been to our Connect show, our vision is to have that event be all members. It's always been a combination of member, non-member over the last three and a half years. And as we grow, we see that event being the kind of similar moving forward. Just every retailer there is a member of Grassroots Outdoor. Gotcha. And Indy could be is going to be an organization that's going to include all the Grassroots members, plus another, I mean, 500 stores around the nation so yeah so that's that's it's we call it like concentric circles that's how we look at it very cool very cool okay i want to talk about pro deals because in past conversations you and i have had many conversations about pro deals and and how your members your retail members really have a problem with the way pro deals have have evolved in our industry and in the way that they're abused as sort of another direct to consumer channel for these vendors. And as you know, and in these conversations prompted us to do a big investigative feature in our recent issue of The Voice. And I'm sure you've had a chance to read that now. Yeah. Um, I hope you have. So um, you wanna talk about that a little bit, shed some, shed some light and some perspective from grassroots on, on the pro deal problem and, and, and where it's headed and what we can do about it? Well, well, I want to thank you for the work you guys put into it because it's a it's a really challenging conversation and and I come at it I man I oversaw pro at three major brands in the industry like it's something I know a lot about and and it's a program that I think all of us believe in getting the right people in the, into your brand and supporting you know and turning other people on to that product and the values of those products I think is super important but what we've seen especially over the last five years is just this proliferation of um, I don't think uh, I don't think one of our retailers quoted it as a as a drug dealing operation, but it is like once you get the taste of selling stuff at forty off into communities, it grows. I mean, it just everything's forty to fifty off. You're going to get results and sales from it, and ultimately, it tears down our ability to sell those brands. You know, brands can do whatever they want, and what we're trying to say is, if you want us to support your brand, this is the kind of thing that makes that impossible for us to do. Right. Um, we don't want to. And if you, sorry, but you know, like the, the, and one of the big things about pro deals that we discovered in our investigation is that, you know, it used to be that it was open to people that worked in retail shops and people right. that worked in the industry. And it was, it, it was very defined. And now with a lot of these third party pro deals and even the, the direct brand pro deal um, programs, you don't have to have a job in the outdoor industry to get a pro a pro deal and we know this because we actually created fake personas and applied to all these programs for this investigation that we did and it was way too easy to get your foot in the door and start getting discounts there and so then what you know you're basically training general the general public general outdoor enthusiasts to not shop at retail um, full retail prices and in retail stores, you're training them to wait for these, these pro deal offers, right? Yeah. And if it was just what you talked about, it wouldn't be nearly as bad as it is. So what I think what pushed us over the edge is then what we were seeing is a trend to twice a year pros were getting share your pro, like friends and family deal, they get three codes for 40 off for that brand. So if you took that pro community within it, especially in a small mountain town, and you gave every pro 340 off discount cube. And then some of those programs had like $2,500 minimums. So you're yeah. talking like $7,500 worth of stuff at 40 off hitting a small mountain town. Um, 
but yeah, we just can't support brands that do things like that. Um, there's just no way. And we're seeing that turn around. So, you know, I want to thank you for just illuminating the discussion because it's not, it's, it's a complex discussion that we know is damaging to our relationship. And I have personal experience of cleaning up programs that have helped the business. And so it's been, um, it's been challenging. Um, I think one of our members said it best, we, and we've been reaching out to these program administrators and trying to engage them in conversations. And I think my favorite quote was um, from one of my favorite retailers was that um, one of these third-party pro sites is a bigger risk to their business than amazon.com. That's how they see it. That's how important this is. It's a yeah. big deal. And, um, and the brands we work with that we're successful with know that, you know, they see it, they agree. We've seen a bunch of change and we're just continuing. So we're really excited about the direction that pro is going right now. And, um, and you've been super helpful to kind of get the message out. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, let's talk about another really important topic um, in our industry and really in the country right now, which is diversity, equity, inclusion. Of the 83 grassroots retailers, are any of them owned or operated by people of color? Not to my uh, knowledge, not a single one. I don't even think we have a manager of color within the group. But, um, but part of our issue is um, the way I described it when I, I uh, reached out to the some board members at Camber for a conversation. And um, I told them, I don't even know how to ask the question <laughs> about, like, I don't know, I don't have the experience. I'm woefully unqualified to start this conversation. So we, um, when we went into our strategic planning for the season, which is kind of spraying this phone call is, um, you know, I had one of our members, well, Mark from OGE up in Vermont at Outdoor Gear Exchange, you know, sent me a note and he said, hey, Rich, grassroots has to tackle this thing. And uh, I need you to do it. And it's, it's been on my list for years. And I have drugged my feet and gotten nervous to enter into the conversation. And um, we're not doing that anymore. I took Mark's advice, uh, reached out to some friends, people I trust, and we are going down this road. And so I think our, you know, it's still super early for us to go into specifics. But I think the first thing we know we have to do is gather the data of the reality of where we are right now. What is our starting point in this conversation? And um, I'm working with Camber to start that conversation. And those first conversations have been fantastic. You know, just, just seeing the framework, seeing the, seeing the tools they have in place for organization like us to start those kinds of conversations is, um, I'm really excited to go down that road. Great. That's good to hear. I know a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of leaders are in, in the same situation that, that, that you are, and and I think you know, the conventional wisdom says, don't be daunted by the by the end game. Start taking steps, little steps, you know, to get where you want to go. So, good totally. for you. I'm glad you guys are tackling that. Um. All right. Last question. I know you were really excited back in I think it was December to announce that um, the Fall Grassroots Connect show was relocating to Kansas City. Yeah. Will that show go on as planned at this point in November? No, that's not happening. Um, we are super excited by Kansas City. We think it's going to be a great home for Connect and um, middle of the country, totally walkable. You know, you know our show. It's like you stay close, like restaurants, the facility, all your friends are all in one area, and there's no cars involved. It's as convenient as possible, and um, and. Yeah, we really want to get back together. Um, you can sense it in our calls. You know, I was just on a, 
an owner call. So we had three screens of faces on a Zoom call. And you could just sense how much people miss interacting with other retailers. Like you can sense it even on a Zoom call. And, um, but the reality is, I think we all know that, um, the, that we don't have a solution. We don't have a, um, we don't have a solution to protect everybody while they travel. There's enough of our members who are not willing to travel at all in November. We know that for sure. Three of my own board members have just said, I'm not traveling no matter what. We know brands don't have budget to travel in November. We know there's risk in traveling. Um, and, um, and so we need to cancel it. Now, the, the reason I'm not being super specific is it's a, a trade event like these are difficult. To, you just can't turn them on and off. There's uh, so many people involved. And so we have, we've been in contact with Kansas City and are working with them closely to try to find a way out of our commitments where it doesn't hurt the organization. And we maybe extend our relationship in Kansas City is our hope. And, um, and we're all in the same boat. I mean, our, the people that work in the trade show space, I mean, you can, you know, we think retail is tough. I mean, our person, the person that advises us on this, on these kinds of things, doesn't have a single event in this calendar year that survived. Yeah. And uh, it just is, a, you know, everyone wants to, we want to do what's right by our partners in Kansas City before we make the official announcement. But anyone that asks, I say, look, we all know it's not happening. We just have to cross the T's and dot the I's to get it done. Right. And the reality is we don't know when we will be back to gathering in this capacity. It could be another year. Who knows? I hope not. God, I hope not. But I know June, ne the, the next event would be June in Knoxville. And trust me, like we want nothing more than to gather, you know, uh -huh. and um, I just talked to Devaki that helps put our show together, really puts the show together. And she's on hold until we have another event. And, you know, it's super important to us. Um, what we found is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that it gets us away from our stores. So we can, we're in a space when we're at our event to strategically plan, but it's also when we can elevate our retailers, we can educate, we can kick off new technology programs and elevate their ability to do trainings. Um, and if you talk to retailers, it's also the efficiency of connect is what people are missing. Four days, they get a month's worth of work done, and to and to try to recreate that work when you're at you're in your own when you're in your own store, retailers are telling me it's taking them a month to do the work they get done in less than a week at Connect. So the efficiency is what we miss also. And the hugs. And the hugs and the happy and hour. High fives. Yeah, and you know, the joke, I, I wish I could show, I'll send you a picture, but uh, Devaki, when we were shutting down the show, she saw a picture of when they took Javits Center and turned it in into a hospital at the beginning of COVID crisis. And um, it looks like our Connect show. <laughs> it's like <laughs> pipe and drape. And every patient went into a different room. Like, oh, if God. there's any event that can manage social distancing, it's ours. Right. Like we our our show, except for happy hour on a nightly basis, everything else is already socially distanced at our event. Yeah, so we yeah. we feel like it's um it, it's going to come back and be in the safest way possible. Uh, but um, I'll tell you, like canceling these things like season after season, it's getting tiresome. And, um, yeah. you know, it's painful for all of us. So let's keep our fingers crossed for uh, to get back into Knoxville and gym. Absolutely. Well, Rich, it was so great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for all your insights. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, I do appreciate the ability just to get the word out on what Grassroots is doing. And um, thanks again.
And thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Straight Talk podcast by Outside Business Journal. The outdoor industry is full of fascinating people doing bold things, whether it's in sustainability, diversity, equity, and inclusion, specialty retail, activism, marketing, or brand building. And here at Straight Talk, we dive straight in. This episode was produced by me, Kristen Hostetter. Our executive producer is Jeff Moore. Our executive audio engineer is John Barclay. Our associate producer is Ashish Thrasta. Our production assistant is Louisa Albanese. Please subscribe today to the Straight Talk podcast, write us a review, and of course, stay up on the latest outdoor industry news at outsidebusinessjournal.com.